One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and for the first time in a while have a couple of cricket scores to throw you away. So hope you're sitting down as England's only warm-up ahead of the first test with West Indies on Wednesday came to a close at the Aegeus Bowl. A three-day affair that featured 29 players and threw up some interesting scores. More on that shortly. Also on the show, you'll hear from The Times and Sky Sports' Mike Atherton in a wide-ranging interview that was broadcast on Times Radio with Phil Williams, where Athers speaks eloquently, when doesn't he, about the passing of West Indies legend Sir Everton Weeks. He gives insight into the working environment expected for the broadcasters this summer and what it will be like playing cricket in front of empty stands. Also on the Times Radio, an in-depth chat between John Pienaar, David Bumble-Lloyd, David Gower and myself. So stick around for that. And last but not least, an exclusive interview between TalkSport Sam Ellard and West Indies Vice-Captain Craig Brathwaite. But first, I promise you cricket scores, and here they are. Team Butler against Team Stokes for the first and last time. Team Butler batting first, Gloucestershire's James Bracey top scoring with 85, and Dan Lawrence... A little bit of speculation about whether he might make the uh, the shake-up for the first Test match. Impressing with 58. Uh, two wickets for Craig Overton, his brother Jamie also bowled. Then on day two, Team Stokes spluttered to 233 all-out, with uh, Stokes himself and Zach Crawley hitting 40s. Little else in support, though. And when Team Butler resumed batting on day three, Ollie Pope top-scored with 55 not out. And there were quick 30s from Butler and Wokes, which set up a notional chase of 255. Uh, Team Stokes never really in the hunt for that, uh, but a good partnership for the first wicket between Johnny Bairstow, who won't be playing in the first test match, you wouldn't have thought, and Dominic Sibley, who will. Stokes then thrashed Parkinson for 22 from an over before play was called early. Team Stokes ending 157 for four. But on to the good stuff now in an interview between former England captain Mike Atherton and Times Radio host Phil Williams. Delighted to tell you on Extra Times tonight, we have the Times chief cricket correspondent and former England cricket captain, of course, with over 10,000 test runs to his name. It's Mike Atherton on the programme. Evening, Mike. Hi, Phil. How are you? 
Um, really well, and I'm really thrilled that you're on. Thanks so much for doing this. I'm, I'm going to start, if I may, by a story that will appear on the back of the Times tomorrow morning from your colleague Elizabeth Ammon, who says that England players have asked the ECB to play crowd noise and tannoy music around the ground for the Test Series against the Windies because they felt it just felt wrong today and it, it, they found the silence disconcerting. The ECB tonight confirming to Elizabeth Ammon that they will test some stadium noise tomorrow. What's your reaction to that? Well, I was watching a bit of that that game. The ECB was streaming it live on their uh, website today. It was just a, a camera at either end. There was no sound. It looked very odd. Um, it certainly sounded very odd because there was no sound, no commentary at all. And, and you can imagine for the players playing in a, an empty stadium in deathly silence is odd. I mean, it's not the first time they w- it will have happened, though. Uh, it, when England have played Pakistan in UAE um, in previous years, I, I've commentated on test matches with absolutely nobody in the ground in UAE. So it's not the first time it's happened, but it's certainly be the first time in England uh, where we routinely sell test matches out for the first four days at least. And often, mm. if, if the game is shaping up well, we'll sell it for the fifth as well. So it will be a battle for the players. I have to say, they looked a bit rusty today, understandably, after such a long layoff. Um, and they've got a bit of time before that first test kicks off on July the 8th. Yeah. I'll talk to you a bit more about that in a moment and and the bubble that you'll be entering yourself. Um, But the other thing that's happened tonight, we've learnt of the death of Sir Everton Weeks at the age of 95. I know that's something that you've written uh, about for tomorrow's paper. Yes, he was a a champion, a a great player, a great man, actually. He wore his his greatness unbelievably lightly. I think I I might have done the last broadcast interview with him. If it wasn't the last, it was one of the last ones. We were in the Caribbean uh, in January last year, and he was 94 then, 93 or 94 then, um, and he agreed to sit down for 10 minutes on camera um, so I asked him all about his childhood. He was born in 1925, just a stone's throw from the Kensington Oval, born into poverty. Um, and uh, uh, then the the club, the, the club side that played at the Kensington Oval were called Pickwick Cricket Club, and it was an all-white side, so he couldn't play for Pickwick. The only way he could get onto the ground was to help the grounds when he used to cut and roll the pitches, but he had to learn his game elsewhere hmm. because of the racial divide that existed then in Barbados. Um, and of course, he'll always be remembered as as one of the three Ws. There's a the, the campus in in Barbados of the of the West Indies University University of West Indies is high up on a hill, and it's where Frank Worrell and Clyde Walcott are buried. And they've been keeping a a space there for Everton. He's kept them waiting a fair while because he's 95. Sadly, when he passed away today, and Frank Worrell died many years ago. It was tragic. Uh, tragic early death at 42 years of age and Clyde Walcott died about 14 years ago so Everton can join them now there's a beautiful little um, small cemetery up there just for the three of them gorgeous place up on the up on the Cave Hill campus so let's return to the um, that's a lovely tribute Mike by the way and thank you for doing that well return to the test cricket which gets underway as you rightly said a a week today the ECB bubble that you will enter as as part of Sky's commentary team how does that work how restrictive is it what what have you got to do well well it remains to be seen how restrictive it'll be I mean the work that has gone on uh, from those within the ECB and Sky to get 
these broadcast games underway is quite staggering, actually. I think we'll have about 95 people there from Sky for the broadcast side of it. And obviously there'll be uh, many more people in terms of players and playing staff and ECB people. But from, from the broadcast perspective, about 95. And then there'll be about a dozen written journalists um, as well. Um, so all told, you're probably looking at about 180 people maybe in, in the bubble. And the bubble will have a kind of inner bubble where, where the players will be allowed to go and the ground staff and the umpires. And we'll be in the next kind of outer ring, if you like. And then there'll be another outer ring where the, where the written uh, journalists are and they'll be able to come and go on a daily basis. But for broadcast purposes, those who are in the broadcast bubble, I'm afraid, once we're in there, we're in there. Um, so the first test is at Southampton, as you mentioned, I think. And then we'll we'll be able to get a night at home and then up to Manchester for the second and third tests, which again will be in a bubble. And the advantage that Southampton and Manchester have is that they've got hotels on site. So everybody... You know, can stay in this in this biosecure bubble. I'm about to get tested uh, for COVID nineteen on Friday, I think, mm-hmm. and then I'll get there the day before the game. And I assume um, if you're going home say, for a night in, in between, in. The, and if you go home for a night between the two, Mike, I assume they'll have to test you again at Old Trafford. Absolutely, yeah. You have to get. I think we'll get tested on the way up to Old Trafford, and I think one of the testing areas or grounds is at Edgebaston, so that's kind of halfway up, if you like. Um, and again, once you get into Old Trafford, you'll have to stay in. And it's a bit more, uh, it's a bit longer there because it's back to back tests. There's three days in between. Um, so you're looking at a, you know, a two week stay in the Hilton Hotel in Old Trafford for the second and third test, assuming the third test goes the distance, of course. Talking to Mike Atherton, uh, Chief Cricket Correspondent for The Times. We're talking about the mechanics of how the test match will work next week. We will get to the cricket in a moment, trust me, because there's a lot to be said on that as well. Before we do, do you think, is it your belief, do you even know whether both sides will take the knee before the first ball is bowled? Uh, Good question. Not sure yet. West Indies are certainly wearing the Black Lives Matter logo. Um, They got permission from the Watford striker Troy Deeney whose uh, partner I think created the logo the clenched fist in the black circle so they've said that they're going to wear that Um, I don't know whether they're anthems and whether the players will take a knee before before the game Uh, I'm not sure and I know that England Ben Stokes was put up um, as part of his media duties the other day and he said that Joe Root had been talking with Jason Holder, even though Joe Root's not going to be there, Ben Stokes will be captain, that Root and Holder have been having conversations and it sounded like something was going to happen, that England were going to show their support for the Black Lives Matter movement as well. But I'm, I'm just not sure what what support uh, that will, you know, what, what that will uh, uh, be, whether it'll be stickers on bats or, you know, uh, the logo or whether they'll take the knee, I'm not sure. Mm. What do you think they should do? Well, whatever they feel comfortable doing. They've made it very clear they want to support, uh, and I think that's the right thing to do. And then it's just a matter of what they feel comfortable doing. That you know, They, they want to show their support for the NHS as well, uh, and they're, they're wearing um, various names of various NHS workers in their training kit in the lead-up to the game, um, and I think an NHS logo during the, during the match itself, but I might be wrong about that. So I think it's a matter of whatever they feel comfortable doing, They've, they've said that they want to show support and I'm sure they'll do so. 
Let's get to the cricket then. I, I, I read you getting quite excited about the quality of the West Indies pace attack for this series. How close is it to return? Because they've, they've been a bit ropey for a while, haven't they? And that, that's hugely disrespectful probably. But how close is it to return to the heyday of the chin music you'd have faced? Well, they've been in, in long-term decline for a long time at West Indies. I mean, there's two ways of looking at that. You can either say that the period of dominance, which was between about the mid-1970s to the mid-1990s, was the exception rather than the norm. And when you consider that uh, the Caribbean region is a region of about 5 million people, compare that to the billion in India, you know, it's remarkable the competitiveness that that there is and the fact that they were able to dominate world cricket for, for two decades or mm. thereabouts. So one of the greatest teams, I think, that's ever taken a cricket field. Mm. It's a remarkable thing. So it's unfair to kind of expect that level of performance or dominance that they had for two decades. Um, but there's no doubt that the decline had been a steep one. In in recent years, there's signs that, you know, they're known for their fast bowling. As you say, they produced many great players and we touched on one before Everton Weeks. But if mm. you said, what is the style and nature of West Indies cricket? What is it known for? You'd probably single out the fast bowling. And for a while, they just went away from that for whatever reasons. The pitches got a bit slow in the Caribbean. They didn't produce that many genuinely fast bowlers. And the whole style of the cricket in the Caribbean changed. And just in the last few years, they've started to get back again. Um, a pretty decent attack. They've got a lad called Kimar, Kimar Roach, who's close on to 200 test wickets. Shannon Gabriel, Alzari Joseph, who's a young speedster from Antigua. And Jason Holder himself, who's good kind of backup quality uh, fourth seam and they've got a couple of, of uh, impressive young players in reserve as well so they've gone back to the style which for which we we know, know that they have and, and the pitches have started to get a bit more pace in the Caribbean as well so um, the question for, for them on this tour will, be, will they get enough runs f- to give those fast bowlers a chance but if they do they've certainly got an attack that can um, cause England some problems. I mean, they do hold the Wisdom Trophy. They beat England last time the two sides met, which was in the Caribbean early last year, early 2019, on some pretty spicy pitches. Um, and their pace attack was impressive. Uh, I've asked this question to David Gower. I'll tell you his answer in a, in a minute, but I want your answer, which is, um, as a batsman, if you're facing a delivery that's over 90 miles per hour, roughly how long do you have to choose whether you're playing it? Not long is the answer to that. It's about point point four of a second. They've actually done studies, right. obviously, because they've done studies of everything in sport these days. But they say it's about point four of a second, which is basically the blink of an eye for the very, very fastest bowlers, yeah. uh, of which uh, West Indies have had a, a many, of course, the fastest probably. Um, uh, Patrick Patterson, that's Jeff Dujon, who faced... Who, who, kept wicket to them all, said that Patrick Patterson in 1986 was about the fastest he faced. But, you know, Michael Holding, Andy Roberts, all these guys, they're mm. top-notch quicks. So you get about 0.4 of a second to make your mind up, or otherwise, what are you going to do? Gower said 0.75, but then he always was laconic. <laughs> he always had more time to spare than the rest of us. <laughs> uh, well, it would be uh, an intriguing series if they've, if they've managed to get the pace up to those levels, won't it? And what, what about the England pace attack? Where is that these days? Well, of course, both teams are coming off the back of a prolonged absence. So West mm. Indies have been up in Manchester training. They've had a four-day and a three-day in preparation. 
bit more bad weather this week than England have had down south. But England have just got this one three-day game. And I have to say, they look pretty rusty today. Um, but if conditions are anything like they have been in England over the years, you know, they've got bowlers who are well-suited to exploit that. Anderson and Broad have got a 1,000 Test match wickets or thereabouts between them. Somebody like Chris Wokes has an exceptional record at home. Joffrey Archer... Uh, who grew up, of course, alongside many of the people he'll be playing against. He, he grew up in Barbados, went to school in Barbados, learnt all his cricket there, um, but obviously he's playing for England. And he's super quick. He's of that kind of pace that we talked about early, mm. earlier on. Um, so England are, are blessed, really. They've gone on two fast bowlers uh, in reserve as well. They've got half an eye on the ashes in about, what, a couple of winters' time when they'll want mm. to take a batch of quick bowlers there. Um, but who knows what, what kind of form, fitness these guys will be in after six months off, effectively, or five months off. And I think it'll be tougher for the bowlers. The batsmen, I think, will find their feet a bit more quickly. But bowling's a very physical thing. And obviously, on the back of a long break, um, it's going to be quite testing for them. And the um, the crowd noises I asked you about earlier, um, have you been watching... The football. I know you're a big United fan. Have you? Do you have a preference when you're watching? Do you do you like the crowd noise, or do you prefer? I mean, personally, I prefer to hear the, the sweary coaches. I'm the other way. I, right. I, I've watched. I, I only watch United. I'm not interested in anybody else. I'm very parochial when it comes to my football, and I'm a lifelong United fan. Um, so I've watched them the, the four games since they've come back. And they're playing pretty well, I have to say. And I prefer it with uh, the noise, actually, with with the kind of fake noise, as it were. And somebody I was chatting to earlier today said, well, it's it's kind of, I distinguish it between those who like fiction and non-fiction. If you like fiction, you probably like the crowd noise. If you're a non-fiction person, you like the, you like it real. <laughs> but I'm the other way. I, I like my non-fiction, but I also like the fake noise. So I prefer a bit of noise uh, when I'm watching watching the football. Were you ever in the situation as a player where there was no noise? Not really. We never We never played in the UAE, which is where I mentioned before, when Pakistan couldn't play at home because of the terrorist attack in 2009, they had to go and play in UAE and often played test matches with nobody in the ground. And in fact, very sadly now in the Caribbean, not when England go, but when other countries go and play test cricket in the Caribbean, you can turn up and there'll be nobody in the ground if you go to somewhere like Port of Spain, Trinidad, which is a, a great ground, downtown Port of Spain, used to have unbelievable crowds and noise and atmosphere. And they would still have it if India go or England go. But when some of the teams go, you know, you can just have nobody in the ground. So, in fact, for some of these West Indies players, they'll be well used to playing uh, a test match with nobody in the ground. But there are a number of players, I think, who really draw a bit of inspiration from the crowd. I mean, Ben Stokes is one. He's, he's going to captain England for the first time. Uh, next week because Joe Root's uh, leaving for the birth of his second kid. So Stokes taking charge. And he's one of those cricketers. I think Broad's another. And they they kind of feed off the atmosphere in the ground and the atmosphere of the crowd and just lift their games a notch. Whereas some players that I played with, like Graham Gooch, and some players that I've seen, like Alistair Cook, I don't think it really matters to them whether there's a crowd. And I saw Alistair Cook make 294 in Abu Dhabi and there was nobody in the ground. And he was, you know, he played as well and was as motivated as if there'd have been a hundred thousand there. But do you I think Ben Stokes can avoid the curse like of the some players England... like the 
like to feed off the atmosphere, and I think probably Ben Stokes is one of those. Yeah, sorry, Mike. Do, do you think that he can avoid the curse of the England all-rounder becoming captain? One thinks here of, of Freddie Flintoff and Beefy, who didn't have a great time in the job. Well, there are. Yeah, I mean, they're the obvious two examples that would suggest a bit of caution uh, for giving Ben Stokes the captaincy on a permanent basis. But Tony Gregg, who was the all-rounder before Flintoff and Botham, was regarded as one of the great England captains. Actually, a very inspirational figure so you know the antecedents are mixed some did it well some not so well I mean with Stokes at the moment the the key thing to emphasize is he's doing it for one game Root's gonna go away for one match while his wife gives birth and then he'll be back uh captaining so for Stokes to do it for one game I think is fine it would be bizarre and absurd not to give him the job since he's the official vice captain Uh, for just one game. But if it was for a more permanent basis, I'd probably take some persuading. It's, It's the best. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Mike Atherton on with Phil Williams on the new 7 till 10 show on Times Radio. Since it's said the England players have announced they will wear Black Lives Matter logos on their shirts. There were some other real heavy hitters this week. Times Radio launched, of course, and John Pienaar, taking the reins on drive, was joined by David Gower and Lloyd and myself to talk about the continual enforced cricketing absence. If you're anything like me, you are yearning to see a cricket game. And if you're anything like my, my next guest, it's positively painful. So let's say hi to, to David Bumble Lloyd, former legendary England bowler, to David Gower, mythical former England captain, and the even more legendary John Norman, who's Talk Sports cricket editor. Hello, guys, and thank you for joining me. Hello. Hello. Can I, <laughs> can, can I ask you, you, you first, David, let me come to you first. Bumble, if I may call you Bumble. I mean, how much are you missing the game and how much are you feeling a sense of grievance that you're not able to watch any? 
well, we're due to start next week in test matches, but it, it, it has been awful, and I suppose everybody's itching to get going, particularly recreational cricket, and uh, there seems to be an impasse there as to you can play professional cricket, but you can't play recreational cricket, which is a bit baffling. Yeah, I mean, and David, I mean, you know, it's not going to be too long before you're back in the, you know, back in the groove and watching a game and thoroughly, thoroughly loving it. But uh, do you feel you've been a bit hard done by? We've had we've had Premiership football for a while now and and other games too. Well, I mean, uh, to, to be put to be brutally honest, um, one is feeling very powerless about an awful lot of things, including cricket. Yeah. Um, and we've heard all sorts of things in the last couple of weeks about you know, the vector of disease and the rest of it that is keeping the club cricketers away from the game, apparently. Um, let's face it, we've all had to make adjustments for the last three or four months. And, uh, and again, to be equally frank, as I don't have any involvement anymore, I really couldn't give a toss. It's as simple as that. <laughs> well, I can't believe that. You, you must be, if I'm missing it, you've got to be you know, missing that it. Was, no, that was, that, was, that was horribly, that was horribly wrong. I apologise <laughs> entirely. No, the, um, no, I mean, I, I am looking forward to seeing what happens next. I mean, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to the test teams that are going to have to play without a crowd in an eerie atmosphere of near silence. Um, I mean, that's going to be very different. Being locked down for them in itself is going to be a huge problem. Uh, so all the things that you associate with a great test match, which are crowds watching and enjoying the atmosphere around the ground the rest, and, the, and the game itself and the evenings and you know, all those things that people enjoy about sport in general terms, yeah. a lot of those are missing. But I have to say, yes, it will be a huge relief to get uh, you know, sport as a whole, not just cricket, not sure. just premiership football, as a whole, rolling again as soon as we can. Sure. Look, look, I mean, obviously, on one level, look, there are bigger things in life than any sport. We were just talking about mm. football and the, you know, the trouble that Wigan Football Clubs got into, which has gone down. You know, it, it hasn't happened. The club's still there, but there's a feeling almost of an imminent bereavement or fear of one in the town mm. of Wigan. And cricket, in the at the end of the day, is just cricket. But it does bring, you know, to the to those who love watching it a certain amount of pure unalloyed joy especially watching the england cricket team of late it's never anything other than than, than completely exciting i mean can i just ask you john john norman from from talk sport just to track back a little bit for people who haven't been following this at all closely why are we having this conversation at all because the the, the governing bodies and the government's boris johnson's attitude to cricket has taken a particularly sort of diversion diversionary course hasn't it well, it has indeed. Um, and it's a little bit like following cricket back in the day. Growing up, you, you'd often have three or four months where you, you were devoid of the game. You know, you get to February, March. This is in the day before the sport was beholden to broadcasters in much the same way football was. And everyone had their own season, I suppose. And you'd sit there as a kid, or I know I did. I wonder how will I get through the next three months without there being any cricket? And that's kind of where we find ourselves now. The reason, uh, one of the reasons we haven't seen any cricket on recreational and the game is because, I suppose, the government are slightly concerned at the use of the cricket ball and the, the saliva that is put on it and uh, the vector of disease, as Boris Johnson called it. And so they're being ultra cautious. Does that, does that um, make sense? I mean, you know, I mean, clearly any, any risk when it comes to take, contracting the coronavirus is not a risk worth taking. But does that sound to you like a completely convincing argument that cricket must be treated differently than than other games because you get you know you, you get the ball rubbed you get saliva somewhere near the ball does that sound completely convincing to you doesn't sound convincing to me at all it almost sounds as though um it was another example 
of uh, of our dear leader maybe talking uh, off the cuff and then realising that uh, when he does so it has far-reaching um, uh, repercussions and certainly within the uh, the corridors of power at the ECB there was some surprise because there was a, a feeling within the game that the green light was about to be given so is cricket head and shoulders above all the other sports yeah. when it comes to uh, you know coronavirus and, and spreading the disease? No, I don't think it is. But um, possibly if uh, cricket, and it does make a lot of money for the economy, of course. I think when Tom Harrison, the CEO at the ECB, spoke to the DCMS, he put forward a figure of £400 million that the sport would lose if it couldn't be broadcast. It will be broadcast. Sky Sports will be broadcasting it next week. The West Indies series is getting underway, followed by Pakistan, and we're hopeful that Australia will be here in September as well. Yeah. So uh, if the big boys can play, then I think really it's uh, it's about time that those who play the game at the weekend on an amateur level, for fun, should also be able to, uh, to get out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm Bumble, tell me, tell me your... Your take now on what's been happening in these in these past works, weeks. If you're a, a an international cricket player, if you're a member of the England squad, how do you keep up to speed? Because the training started for football a, a few weeks ago now. What about cricket? What have they been doing? Well, again, they've been practicing and it, they've been jumping through hoops. It has been terrific that uh, they've been in little sections around the country. Uh, they will be ready to play. Of course, they won't be match fit. Uh, but they've done everything that is necessary. I'm with John that, that if we can play professional cricket, and I can't understand, I'm trying to understand why you can't play amateur cricket, because these chaps, they're working, they've got families, people, men and women, want to play cricket as a recreation at the weekend. It's a fabric of society, and you know I'm so disappointed that we're not able to do that. And... If he's touching a cricket ball, well, I'm, I'm football mad. I watch football. I'm watching it all the time. And they take throw-ins, and people are taking throw-ins with a ball. They're putting their hands on the ball. The goalkeeper holds the ball. And so it, it's just an opinion, which everybody's got a personal opinion. I, I think he's totally wrong. We should be playing recreational cricket. Yeah. And David Gow, you agree with that? Yeah. Um, I think, yes, I think it's overblown. I think the... You, we've all been at panic stations for quite some months now. Um, I think it's overblown. Obviously, you have so many contradictions, and I do understand this is a multi, multi-faceted and very, very complicated thing. But cricket lends itself to spacing, so people do not have to stand next to next door to each other. The ball itself, if you, I mean, there is a difference. I mean, there is one difference between what they're planning to do with the ECB and Test cricket, which is playing these matches in a bubble which is as secure as it possibly can be, with no one allowed into that bubble apart from players and media and people working on the game. So there's no one left to contaminate that particular bubble, in which case, if that succeeds, you know, you won't get anything on the ball anyway. Uh, Social cricket obviously is a bit different to that because you cannot ask people to be in a bubble before they come and play for their club at the weekends. But at the same time, I mean, I I have an involvement with things like, as for instance, an honorary role as... Um, president of something called the White Hunters Cricket Club in Hampshire. They're an itinerant bunch. Um, they claim no great skill necessarily. One or two of their players have a, a modicum. They have all sorts of code names. Uh, and one of their founder members wrote a very good blog a week ago or so, which he sent to me, which vented his frustration on not being allowed to play and also raised some very pertinent points about the importance of the social game to the fabric of the country, the importance of maintaining the momentum that we got last year from the World Cup 
and England actually winning a World Cup for the first time in 40 years. And so all that interest is in danger of being dissipated if people are not allowed to play, if clubs fold, because obviously with everything else going on, there's a very realistic prospect of certain clubs um, who were never going to be particularly uh, generously endowed in the first place, finding that they just cannot sustain both their financial stages or the interest of the players they need to turn out week after week because they've had months and months and months now of summer. And however glorious the summer has been, it isn't the same without cricket being played on our fields. So there are there are lots of potential knock-on effects. And if cricket isn't played or is delayed too long uh, and you run out of summer this year, well, there could be clubs folding within the year. Yeah. I mean, just, just briefly, all of you could ask you, Give us something to look forward to. We, we're going to have Ben Stokes as captain of England in the West Indies uh, games coming up. And if you're a cricket fan or if you're not, that's going to be something to look forward to, isn't it, Bumble? Well, well I'm, John, I'm looking forward to getting out of the house. I've been here for 12 <laughs> weeks, um, but I'm over 70 and I'm one of these that, that I'm told that I'm vulnerable, but I'm, I'm just itching to work. And that's a selfish thing to say. Of course, I want to get involved and watch cricket, but... I'm not doing the Southampton game. There are two bases, one at Southampton, one at Old Trafford, and I'll be based at Old Trafford. I've filled that many forms in. I mentioned before, jumping through hoops to get this show on the road. So I'm looking forward to getting going and seeing some international cricket. OK, um, we're going to talk to David Aronovich in a, in, a, in a second. So we're going to talk about the column that he's writing for The Times tomorrow. But, John, let me just finish off with you, if, if I can. Look, we're soon going to be out of this cricket, cricket lockdown. There's the West Indies test to look forward to and much else besides that. Your appetite, what's the state of your appetite right now? Oh, I'm absolutely ravenous. Um, look, I very much believe that less is more. And sometimes there is a saturation point when it comes to all sport, professional sport, the very highest level. It just never seems to be off. This, uh, this enforced gap. Uh, and cricket is very, very fortunate in so far that the, the matches that we've lost ca- have not been lost forever. They've just been postponed. So what that means is that the recent tour to Sri Lanka will occur, but it will probably be squeezed in between tours to India, which TalkSport have got rights to. The World T20 will be postponed for a couple of years. All it means is we are going to be faced with a, a smorgasbord of cricket for the next couple of years once we get back out on the field. All right, guys. And, and, and look, David Gow, let me just give you a last word on, on all of this before we finally finally move on. You may get the sense yeah. that I'm, you know, I just can't stop talking about this. And I don't often get a chance to talk to you, uh, to you David, or to you, or to you, David, or to you for that matter, that matter, John. Ben Stokes, going to be the captain of England. He's been a hero, a, an idol. He, he might have had a statue at this stage, stage already. How's he going to perform in this test? Just give me each of you your assessment. Well, I mean, Ben Stokes is Ben Stokes with a huge ability, a huge hunger for success. Um, he appears to be leading the side in this first test match, and I wish him well. Um, he is you know, in the top three of the world's great cricketers, um, and he will want to keep that status for as long as he can. Um, he will. He has nows, he has abilities. I mean, I would, for one thing, I would, I would have preferred him, not in a long-term way, to be saddled with the captaincy. Because, I, I mean, I believe that Ben, like the Bothams of previous eras, is probably better off contributing as the national hero, the man who lifts the dressing room just by being there in the first place. Um, I'm sure he'll enjoy the captaincy. I'm sure he'll be... Um, well, I mean, I'm hoping he'll be good at it. Okay. Obviously, that's, that's what we need. Um, but uh, it is a one-off. Joe Root will be back in, in that post for the next two test matches of this series against the West Indies. 
Um, and the important thing, of course, is for Ben, for everyone in that team um, to start as they mean to go on. I mean, they're expected to win the series. Nothing comes easily in t- at test match level. West Indies has some uh, quick bowlers again. They've got some firepower there, but England are the better side on paper. Therefore, they need to sort of raise the whole tempo for the rest of us who will be sitting there watching, in my case, from home. Um, because we want we want the entertainment and we want the cricket to get back and we want England to be winning again. And you can hear more from John Pienaar between 1 and 4 in the afternoon, Mondays through to Thursdays. Back over on Talk Sport and a familiar voice in our overseas cricket coverage, Sam Ellard caught up with the West Indies vice-captain Craig Brathwaite to discuss lockdown life, thoughts of touring England and memories growing up playing the game. I'm intrigued to know how's living in this biosecure environment been treating you um away from the cricket what's it like um it's, it's quite good to be honest um you know, we have a games room which is, you know it's obviously entertaining when needed um and the food you know you can't complain about your food to be honest and the conditions you know for practice and everything is you know living conditions are good so you really can't complain what what games do you and the boys play after training on night time? Is it is it a bit of FIFA, Call of Duty, darts, snooker, play is it PlayStation games? Um well I play table tennis. Um mostly guys are playing dominoes, but you know there's basketball, there's um darts. Darts, yeah. A golf simulation golf game. Um so there's a number of games, man, in your room. Who's the most competitive? Who's the one that has to win every single game? Well, I'm not sure who plays all the games. <laughs> when I'm playing table tennis, they don't like to be beaten. <laughs> good man, good man. And obviously, Craig, last time you were here, um, I know that the series didn't, you know, was a defeat for the West Indies. But if you want to, on a personal level, you of course got some runs, didn't you, in the in the series? Uh, you know, scored a century. What are your memories of that of that series, scoring runs here in England against a really good bowling lineup? Um, good memories. You know, it was, a, it was a really good series. Obviously, after the first game, you know, we, we got beaten quite badly. You know, we had to fight back. Um, at large, we were in the game, you know, for, for, my, for a good set of that. But we obviously lost it at the end. So, you know, it was, it was good memories. You know, really, first time was playing in England. Um, it was nice to get some runs. Um, but, you know, that's history. Uh, obviously, it's, a, so, so it's different now. So, you know, we gotta got to start fresh. Do you see there being more pressure on you, in particular in this tour? You know, you're more one of the most ex- more, more experienced batsmen now. You know, no Bravo, no Hetmeyer on this tour. Some people might say that the, the bowling's a lot stronger than the batting. Do you see more pressure on your shoulders to, to individually step up and, you know, make sure you really deliver over the next couple of weeks? Um, I, I, I really don't see, you know, see more pressure. Um, you know, you know my job as the opener. You know, I got to build the foundation for the team. You know, you got to start off the innings and, and that's my main job. You know, once I could do that, you know, to the best of my ability, you know, every innings, you know, it puts put our team in a better position, you know, to get to get big scores. No Joe Root for the first test match. Ben Stokes is going to come in and captain England for the first time. Is that a little advantage already for, for the West Indies? No Root in England batting plus a, cap, a new captain for the first time? I mean, I won't, I won't say so. You know, obviously, the Englishmen are accustomed to the conditions. You know, they're playing at home. So, I, I won't say that. Uh, we still got to play hard regardless because they have some quality, you know, quality batsmen coming in, young batsmen as well. So, we can't take nothing for granted. 
Stuart Broad has revealed he's, he's going to be speaking to a sports psychologist in the build-up to the first test to, you know, mentally make sure he's prepared. And he spoke about how he's going to, you know, maybe find it difficult with there being no fans there. How do you guys feeling about playing with no fans? Do you think you might need a bit of extra support to get yourselves up for it? Or in a way, could it be an advantage for the West Indies with there being no Barmy Army fans? Um, I, 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 won't, I won't say it's an advantage, you know, because obviously they're, they're home. But, you know, for us, we are quite accustomed to playing in front, you know, empty, empty stands per se. Um, so it won't be nothing strange for us. Um, you know, to be honest, I, I don't think I don't think it'll be strange. To be honest, there's been a lot of talk about the West Indies bowling attack in the build-up to this Test match. There seems to be a good mix of experience with you know Shannon and Kimar and some great young players coming through. Um, is this one of the best bowling lineups do you think the West Indies have had for for quite some time? And just talk to me about some of the strengths of of, of this West Indies bowling lineup. Um, I think, you know, if you have three bowlers in the top 20, you know, that, that says a lot. Um, you know, the young guys, Alzari Joseph, you know, coming through. Um, you know, I think we were very consistent in the last, you know, last three years or so, you know, you know, building pressure and, you know, keeping the pressure throughout long periods. Um, you know, I think they have been doing a fantastic job. You know, they've really been leading, you know, from the front. And in particular, I guess, in the first test, with there being no route, you know, the players like... Burns, Sibley, Crawley, Pope, Butler could play. He's not in great form. And you mentioned three in the top 20. Is there a real opportunity here for the bowlers to get on top of a pretty inexperienced England batting lineup? I mean, I think the bowlers would look to get on top any, you know, any batting lineup. Um, obviously, you know, younger guys possibly playing, you know, or it, let's say in it, they play as much games, you know, as obviously rule. And, yeah, you know, I, I won't call it advantage. I think we still got to go out there and, and ball, you know, the correct line of lambs, you know, to get each and every batsman out. Um, so I don't think the boys will take anything for granted. You know, I think they will still hit the straps and, you know, back themselves to, you know, to get the kicks. And what about Jofra? I know England have played the West Indies in, in one-day cricket recently. Is there like an extra bit of, you know, incentive to try? I see you smirking there to try and get one over on England and, and, and Jofra. No, nah, I won't say so, man. Uh, we're just going to, we're going to play cricket. And, you know, obviously, he's, he's playing for England. Obviously, he's from Barbados, but you know, yeah. he's playing for And, uh, you know, we're just going out there, you know, to do well, to make the, you know, Caribbean fans proud. But I won't, I won't discuss that here. Man. On a bit more um, serious note, I know that England are in discussion with the West Indies over the best way of showing you know, solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. I know that you're going to have a logo on your shirts for, for the first test match. I was just wondering, Craig, has there been any any further update or or plans in place for next week? Uh, yeah, plans are being being in place. Um, you know, we still have a week or so, so you know, we still have some time to finalise some stuff. Um, but, you know, I fully support the, the movement. Uh, you know, we all believe unity is strength. And, uh, you know, once we become educated, you know, about the the different situations that, you know, that happened, you know, only last week, you know, years ago, you know, I think that will put us, you know, in good stead. But we are, mm. we are behind the movement and, you know, by the time the first test comes, for sure, we would, you know, have something. We're doing a special show on, on Talk Sport next week about, uh, you know, the history of, of Caribbean cricket. We wanted to know your, your memories of, of growing up in the Caribbean playing, playing cricket and who were your heroes? 
Um, growing up, I remember yeah. you know, watching cricket when I was probably about nine years old. You know, I just wanted to see at that time I think like Curly Ambrose and Coney Walsh were playing, you know, and you know, just to see their them bowl was, was fantastic. Um but for me, you know, watching Brian Lar, you know, bat was just amazing. You know, just walking in, watch out, no walk out, sorry, you know, to bat. And you know, seeing him play different shots, it was that was truly amazing, you know, as a little man. You know, that's all I wanted to go to Kensington to watch is, you know, Brian Lar batting. And then how much pride does that give you to, you know, you, you mentioned these great names who have played for the West Indies and now, you know, you're in England getting ready for a series. You have to sometimes like, you know, just pinch yourself and be like, you know, I'm next week, this time next week, I'll be, you know, one sleep away from going out representing my country. You have to, you know, pinch yourself sometimes to, to think where you are and what you're doing and who you're representing. Uh, yeah, you know, for sure. You know, especially playing in England, you know, obviously the crows are always, it's obviously different now, but, you know, with the crows around and the, the, the grounds that have so much history, you know, you, you really got to save a lot. You got to be thankful, you know, for the opportunity, you know, to travel the world, you know, play cricket. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, it could it could be, you know, quite amazing, but, you know, any days you have to do your job. But, you know, I'm, I'm very privileged and thankful, you know, to be representing the West Indies and, you know, just for me, you know, the, the Caribbean pro, I mean, that, that's, that's my aim. And Craig, just, just last one from me. Got to just get your thoughts overall on, on this series. Three test matches, never easy, is it, away from home? Are you confident of, of coming out on top over the next couple of weeks, Craig? And what's going to be the key for you guys to do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm confident. Um, I think the key, you know, as, as a bowling unit, we're obviously not going to take things for granted. Um, but I think batting-wise... You know, once we put runs on the board, it put us in a very good position, you know, to win to win cricket games. And I think that would be the key. You know, the runs, you know, the runs we put on the board, you know, give the bowlers the support, you know, to, you know, have a target, you know, a good target and, not, you know, not a low per se. Thanks to Sam Ellard and Craig Brathwaite there. Remember, you can follow all the action from the Aegeus Bowl uh, and the first test match between England and the West Indies on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. I'll be bringing you updates throughout the summer. You will not miss a thing. But that is it for this week's Following On podcast. Our next show will be a preview show to the test series, myself and Jared Kimber. And then next week's Cricket Collective will be a West Indies special. Uh, Jared again alongside Barry Wilkinson. So continue to listen and enjoy an ACOS, Spotify and Apple podcasts. This is the Following On podcast. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 